0: You're listening to the Every Church Leader podcast, a podcast dedicated to having conversations that every church leader needs to hear. Now here's your host, Mike Wasluck. Hey,
1: welcome to the Every Church Leader podcast. I'm Mike Wasluck and I hope today you feel like we've had a conversation that every church leader needs to hear. Well, this is it, episode 1. I mean, I'm so excited to finally be starting this journey. And honestly, I just really hope that I can help you or your ministry team or, or anybody uh, talk about or think about something new, start a new conversation, and have that all funnel back to helping more people get to know Jesus. Today, my guest on the podcast is Brett Ullman. Brett is a speaker, a blogger, a YouTube content creator, and he's the executive director of Worlds Apart. He travels across North America speaking to schools, parents, churches, and other audiences about a wide range of topics, which include uh, media, sex and pornography, drugs and alcohol, anxiety and depression, and mental health. He's got a new talk called Parenting, Navigating Everything, and he just released a video series related to that called How to Have a Better Relationship with Our Phones. Brett and I get into cell phone use, culture shifts, And we talk about things that will hopefully help you parent and lead your ministries better. So without further ado, I would love to welcome episode one podcast guest, Brett Allman. Brett, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for being here today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Glad to be here. So uh, for those of you who might not know your work, which uh, in the sphere that I'm going to send this to is probably a few people, um, can you just give a brief overview of sort of who you are and how you got into speaking to groups? Um, you know, a lot of the topics you cover uh, are difficult ones and tricky. There's got to be a bit of a story behind how you sort of transitioned uh, into, this, uh, into this job yeah, or into sure. this, this role.
0: So I was a teacher. I taught with the Toronto District School Board for 10 years, most of it being in the Melbourne community of Scarborough. And the first year I began teaching, uh, it was also the first year I got married, uh, but I also uh, what uh, was down in uh, uh, New York at an event called Kingdom Bound, and I heard a speaker speak on music and media who didn't just bash culture. Like, I grew up in a Baptist environment. Don't dance, don't drink, don't smoke. And if you asked why, you were like, it was just because. And so I heard someone, it was a good conversation on culture and engaging culture. So I came back and I did a talk at my own church and Six months later, I did a talk at another local church in Pickering. I'm I'm from Ajax myself, so just right next to me in Pickering, I did another talk. And two talks one year, went to seven the next year, went to 14, went to 20. And it just kind of kept spiraling until I found myself teaching full-time and speaking full-time with a pregnant wife and a one-and-a-half-year-old. And And it was kind of chaos. So uh, (laughs) we didn't really know what to do. I mean, being a full-time speaker in the faith-based realm is very uncommon. I mean, there's still only a handful of people in in Canada who do it in the US. There's lots. But so I went full time. Yeah. And at the beginning, I was just talking on media. And then there's a great book that Bill Hybels wrote once called Holy Discontent. And that idea of, you know, what what bothers you, uh, and then go and kind of, you know, go and engage with that is something that I've kind of uh, lived with. And so I started with my first talk on media went to a second talk on at that point it was like self-harm and suicide at that point we were kind of dealing with like the terms cutting which i don't actually use anymore that term in my talk but we talked about cutting and suicide and eating disorders kind of not from a mental health standpoint more directly And i spoke on dating and i had a talk on men and then kind of got into some of the other tougher ones like uh, sex and pornography Uh, I I do find it interesting when I speak my talk called The Porn Project in that they introduced me as a porn expert. And I always have to say to the audience, like, I'm not an expert on porn. Like, what a (laughs) weird thing to say. Uh, And then my two, probably the two biggest talks I do, one is called The Walking Wounded, and it's on mental health. And I, I struggle myself with a pretty severe anxiety disorder and panic disorder. I had a breakdown about seven years ago. I was doing about 300 speaking dates a year while I was doing my wow. master's degree down in Chicago and ended up spending a year at home and have struggled ever since. And as we kind of chatted earlier, my new, we don't know if it's a new struggle or if it's the answer to my mental health, but I've been diagnosed with Lyme disease and they're trying to figure out mm-hmm. as my doctor said, you're either really unlucky and you have two things or it's actually the root cause of everything. Okay. But I think mental health is one of those things we don't do well in the church. We often over spiritualize uh, and just give quick pat answers. And my newest work that I've been doing for the last few years is on parenting and trying to just resource parents on how to help our kids and help us parent as well.
1: And I've liked some of the resource that you've been putting out. So you've got those parenting, uh, navigating everything videos, which cover a wide range of things. I also found on your website earlier uh, a parenting report card. (laughs) which it, does it look like, do you give that to your kids to see how you're doing? Is that the point behind that?
0: It is. It's, it's a simple thing you give to your uh, kind of like junior high, high school age kids. Now, it's one of those hard right. things. Like it's hard, like as a speaker or as a pastor to ask for reflection. Like I do that in every talk that I do. I kind of say I do my talks with an open hand. And if you have something you think I'm doing wrong, saying wrong, better quotes, let me know. Like that kind of stuff's hard, but it makes me be better at what I do. Yeah. And uh, I just, I, there was a report card years ago I found in a book. And so I kind of uh, added a bit of that content, a bit of my own. And it's just a downloadable PDF that you give to your kid. Now, the truth is, you have to have a good relationship with your kid to do it. Like right. if you, have, you know, if you don't have any influence or any good relationship with your kid, there's no, like, they'll just mark you zeros across the board and it's not going to help. <laughs> but the goal is to be able to look through and go, okay, there's a couple things that I got to work on. And there's some yeah. things that I'm doing well at. And so for parents who have kind of an, a good, like a, a wonderful to an okay relationship, it might be a good kind of simple tool to use.
1: Yeah, that was cool. So you do a lot of talks. Um, you know, What's one of maybe the more difficult ones that you put together? I'm, a, a, you know, I think aspiring to do um, not exactly what you're doing, but I, I love getting up and speaking to people and, and putting things together. So just as like a, like a personal moment where I can be selfish to grow a little bit. Um, like, what's your process of getting through these talks? If somebody were to have you come in, what do they know that you've done as a background for for this sort of work? So, I'm a
0: very different speaker. Um, like, I'm a teacher kind of by, if you could say, gifting and by trade as well. Like, I'm not a preacher now. I say that, and I, I think preaching teaches, and I think teaching preaches. Did I say that right? Like, uh, so yep. there's great debates with that, but I am looking at as Christians, how do we look at a topic from a Christian worldview? So, I come from a topical standpoint for each of the things that I do. Uh, for any talk that I do, so my most recent talk is one called Navigating Everything for Parents. This was kind of birthed out of, um, I was at a talk once, I finished, I think I was speaking on mental health, and a father came up afterwards and he said, Brett, how do I talk to my daughter about sex? He had like a 15, 16 year old daughter. And I went right. to reply and before I could reply, I said, "Oh, by the way, she hates me. Oh no <laughs> And he said it just matter of fact with no emotion. And I went to reply and he goes, oh no, forget about that. How do I talk to her about sex? I'm like, no, no, forget about sex. What do you mean your daughter yeah. hates you? That's everything. yeah. And he didn't seem to get it. like if his daughter hates him, he's not talking to his daughter about sex or even if he does, it, it won't it's, it's not something where she's going to be listening to him. And just as, like I have a grade 12, my daughter is always in grade 12, my son Ben's in grade 11. I began researching this researching this talk about two years ago, just as my kids hit high school. And even, you know, I've been speaking in the youth realm for 23 years. And there's sometimes, like I'm not saying you can't do that being a 22 year old youth pastor, but I'm just saying there are sometimes things you kind of go, oh, little nuances, little conversations. And so much I realized was actually dealing with parents. So what I do is I start with a few books. And so like I'll post online to social media, looking at doing a talk on parenting. And so someone said, uh, said to me, "Oh, you gotta read Leonard Sachs's book, uh, Collapse of Parenting. And so I am a reader and I'm a researcher. And so I just start writing down books. And then when I start reading a book, I'm pulling out quotes and themes. And, and so at first it's just this jumble of, like I use this thing called Mind Manager. It's just basically like, you know, we have a circle in the middle with a topic and you start thinking of what topics do you wanna cover. Sure. And in the end, I read about 75 books on parenting, Oh my gosh. which is actually one of the lowest I've done uh, for like, I think I've read over 240 now for my talk on mental health. Like okay. I, I read and I read. I mean, I love Kindle because I can get a book f- for nine bucks. And if there's some websites where you get them on sale for five bucks, but yeah. it also means for research, I can take a quote and pull it out not have to copy it all out by hand. But uh, my, my new talk, I spent a lot of time on YouTube. There's so much content online these days, just on blogs, and especially on YouTube, that it's just spending a lot of time researching. And then as I research, you start hearing similar themes come out. Like, so for this talk, it's kind of like, I kept hearing talks, the ideas of, well, first off, what even is parenting? Like, there's no clear goal in this process, right? You, you have a baby. Most of us get given that book, um, what to expect when you're expecting, but then you come home, from like, that, that's kind of what to expect. And, and then even as baby years, but then there's nothing, it's just kind of like, well, what do you do now? Yeah. And so I, I there was, what is parenting? And then there's this I, the idea of communication and time and then discipline. And so I thought these are kind of like, and I say four pillars and it kind of sounds like, well, there's only four pillars of parenting. That's not what I'm saying, but these are kind of four things that for me, I think we're missing in the church. And so mm. it's a very practical talk. Like I always think as youth workers, And this is where I've spent most of my life, youth and young adults. But if we could get children's pastors and parents of younger kids in a room and we could have parents have good relationships with their kids and begin topics on sex and pornography and mental health and all these other things when they're younger. And if they did good parenting styles, right, had relationships with their kids and had influence, how great would it be when a kid walks into junior high and you're like, you are a healthy kid, (laughs) (laughs) Right. As opposed to going like, oh, no, like there's so much work we have to now do with this kid and their parents and everything else.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. That would be. And I think that uh, the more and maybe the longer that just personally for me, as I'm growing in youth ministry, one of the things that I think that has missed. I don't know if they didn't teach us. Well, I know they didn't teach us to us to it in uh, in Bible college. um, But just as we grow up, one of the things that we don't think of nearly enough um, as youth ministry leaders is. Is parents mm-hmm. is connecting with parents and is is drawing that line between, you know, we're a youth pastor and we get to hang out with those kids for a couple hours a week, but those parents are with them all day every day, and and how maybe being a youth pastor is just as much or more about supporting and resourcing parents at this point as it is supporting and resourcing
0: the youth. I so agree. I There's know. that chart from the one of the orange curriculums. I think it's Reggie Joiner mm-hmm. and Kristen Ivy, which says we as Youth workers, like a youth pastor, would have forty hours a year to influence a kid, whereas parents have three thousand hours a year to influence kids. Right, and yeah. like from a from a return on investment, like from an ROI, you think of if you put fifty percent of your time into parents. actually, um, I was at a church in uh, the spring somewhere, and the youth. So we did a, a navigating everything talk for parents of kids of all ages. But after they had the children's pastor junior and senior high, everyone was at the front. And kind of like, so we're your pastoral team cradled to college. And they gave a letter to everybody, which was basically this. You're the parents. We're here to support you. So it was just, Mm -hmm. but it was just acknowledging, listen, you are the parent. We're here to be your asset. Like we will help you through all the ages and stages. But they kind of like lined out some of the things. This is your responsibility. Here's where we can help you as well. I just thought it was so (laughs) forward thinking just to even acknowledge that
1: as opposed to the other way around. I've, I've said this to a couple of people in the last few days, even. Uh, I'm so happy for the invention of the, the position of the youth pastor, because I am one and I love my job. But from a from a position of of spiritual formation it might almost be one of the worst things that's ever happened because sometimes the church has looked over and gone okay like we have somebody who's taking care of that now and and uh and, and i don't want that to be you know the way i'm approaching ministry when it comes to parents too parents sometimes i think even look at at ministry leaders and go well they've got um they've got their are their our kids spiritual form taken care of we don't necessarily have to do that anymore um, and it's amazing how many parents that even I've talked to or, or have have encountered think about it that way. Like the church is taking care of my kids' belief in Jesus. so so I'm really secondary, um, whereas we really need to flip that narrative, I think.
0: and it goes it's twofold. like one is from the parents, but two is from the bigger, like if you call it big church or like Sunday morning church. Yeah. sometimes like, well, we have we have youth church on Friday night, so that's for the kids and then Sunday's for the adults. And it's like, Right. But teenagers are there. Like, so that's right. <laughs> we, we still have to have a conversation on how we engage everyone yeah. on a Sunday morning. It's not just made for like your 45 year old adult, like your yeah. grade nine kids sitting in that room. So like from a sermon standpoint, from a musical standpoint, from a fellowship standpoint, like how do we engage everybody?
1: So we're going to get into uh having a better relationship with our cell phones through this parenting navigating everything but just before we do that can you give a quick overview of your parenting navigating everything talk like what are some of the things you cover your you're going to cover media and digital usage but what's what's everything <laughs> what are the things that you're covering at that talk? so the navigating everything
0: talk is actually those four pillars i just said okay like uh, it's kind of like there's to me it's the idea of there's kind of a foundation so like i'm in time, I'm going to have a, nap. like, I have my Navigating Everything parents. I'm going to have a Navigating Everything students, which is this overarching big conversation. And then inside that, uh, like, so I, I go through, as I said, parenting styles, communication, time, and discipline. Those are the foundation things. From that, we can then talk about sex, pornography, mental health, you know, all these other things. But it all bridges from first having those relationships with our kids. There's a great uh, chart. I think it's an orange curriculum again, which talks about relational versus positional influence. So, like when you have a young kid, I think you said ten month old. Is that right? Yeah, so she's like ten months. You yeah. have full positional authority, right? Like you can go right now and pick up your baby and walk. Like you know, it's full positional authority. But as yep. as you get older, that will slowly decrease down to nothing. Whereas yeah. relational influence begins at zero. And for me, right. I'm the opposite end for you. I'm heading into their late teen years. And it's only because I have relational influence that I have influence with my kids. But it takes a lifetime mm-hmm. of talking. Like it's that discipline, communication, proper parenting styles. It's all those things that have allowed my kids and us to have with me and my wife to have a good relationship with them. Mm-hmm. That's so at the awesome. end of my navigating everything, I do. I call it one slide. It's actually two or three where I kind of go through, you know, like even media it's just like you know we have to look at the idea of like your worldview shapes your values and your values shape your actions like it's there's so much to cover in that and the same with with sex like we want our kids to have a healthy like a biblical worldview of healthy sexuality uh mental health like i i just so it's just kind of saying here's some on ramps for you for other larger conversations
1: cool so in the churches uh that i'm working with i'm finding especially when it comes to some of the older demographics Um, that there's maybe a lot of assumptions about cell phone or digital media usage in general. Um, I'm finding a lot of people using it sort of as a catch-all excuse to almost everything that's wrong with the world. Um, and it's uh, sometimes it's people who use it often, often it's people who who don't engage with that technology at all that just sort of yell at it from the outside. Um, in your research and the, the things that you've been looking at, what assumptions do people have about cell phone use or media usage right now that's accurate? Um, what are they maybe making up or myths that that isn't accurate? Um, i don't know i guess the real question i'm asking is just like are cell phones as bad as everybody says they are is this the beginning of the end are we all spiraling out of control uh what's going on here
0: <laughs> i mean that we could talk for an hour on that That'd be <laughs> question. I question. know. first off I, I always think it's funny because i'm the same i still call them cell phones and here's the like the yeah. reality is they're not phones no like, you look at an iphone or an android phone they don't even market that it's a phone <laughs> Because it's not a phone. No. Like my kids yeah. rarely call ever. Like it's me yeah. who calls them. They FaceTime ever like they either FaceTime or they text. And the truth is they Snapchat yeah. probably even more than that. But the truth is today a phone is everything. Like I, if I'm coming to speak at a church, right, uh, I'll put the address in my phone and I've emailed you and confirmed with my phone and I texted you and I'm checking for restaurants with maps. Like it's everything. It all is. All in one. I do think, though, there's a lot of, I call it sky is falling mentality, to quote the old okay. nurse, you know, like, sky's falling, like, so you get these emails that go around saying like, you know, cell phones have like, and it's always these blanket statements. And I always say, whenever there's a blanket statement, question it, like, you know, cell phones are to blame for all mental health. No, like the answer is just that's 100% wrong. Now, have cell phones increased mental health? Well, again, is it is it is it causal like is it actual the phones or is it things that have changed since the phones came out but that's good conversation that's really good conversation debating those kinds of things um so anytime anything's like a blanket like and to go back to mental health i do think that there's an increase in mental health we've seen since phones came out so phones can't like any other technology like TV is good, but you can watch TV all day too much and it's bad. Or you can watch a good show or a documentary or a movie that inspires you. Or you can be watching graphic violence and sexuality. Like everything has to be taken with a balance. And often I do think the people who, and I'm going to, maybe I'm generalizing too much, but often it's people who don't like technology, who blame all Mm -hmm. phones for everything.
1: Yeah, and I've encountered some of that to people that just don't understand the technology or or it just don't have a desire to do it as it's the it's the point at that and and say this is the problem because I'm not really sure what the problem is but this must be it
0: right. I remember being in church I was actually this I was speaking and so a missionary something came in and was talking and they said a verse and they just said the verse but didn't explain but didn't say what the verse was and so I had my iPad out and I quickly was on my bible app looking and a woman was looking over at me and i'm kind of like i'm looking at my bible like it, it's, it's yeah. just funny that there's an assumption i'm playing a game or something like it's like and then i went up to speak and it was kind of just awkward on all levels but
1: <laughs> did she then pull hers out and make sure she was looking at hers while you were speaking or
0: <laughs> like i know for me i do uh, i do like it's it's this idea of balance And if we're going to address conversations as parents or as youth pastors talking to our kids, there has to be a balanced conversation. If we say to a room full of teenagers or even adults, all cell phones are bad, like all phones are bad, I think you lose everybody. Because it's just, that's just not true. Now, are there things that we can do better? Are there things that we can change? Are there people who've gone way too far? Sure, there are. But there is also people, I think, who have good relationships with phones and other technology and media as well. So it's I always use the term with parents we need to be teaching not telling it's the same with pastors right we don't just tell kids what to do we need to teach them why we're doing it and that's something I think is really important that we make sure we're teaching the the reasons why not just kind of say these statements like everything's bad
1: yeah, and just on an aside, now that you've said that, there's this um, uh, Tim O'Moore wrote, Marching Off the Map. I don't know if you've seen uh, that one. Yeah. And one of the things that he says in that one that's really caught me that I make sure that I say when I talk to people is is um, is a, a, adults aren't necessarily used as much for information anymore. Um, and, and when I say that to people, they go like, well, what do you mean? And I say, well, I don't think the book said... Uh, Adults aren't needed for discernment or for wisdom, but you can get so much information so fast that it's it's almost it's almost like the Internet and media and the immediacy of information is changing the way relationships between teens and adults need to happen um, to a certain degree. I don't know if you would agree or disagree with that, but um, I think I would uh,
0: that also goes along with I I see more and more parents who are disconnected from their kids. Yeah. So one is that they have, you're right, they can quickly, if they have a question, you don't need to come downstairs and ask a parent. But two is mm-hmm. many times there isn't a parent or they're kind of raising themselves. So it, yeah, it's kind of both and.
1: It's wild. It's And so we're going to sort of get into this. You made uh, nine videos about cell phone usage and ways that we can be a little healthier. Um, and I think maybe uh, I've got a couple specific questions about uh, a couple of the videos, but if you've got ones that you want to touch on that I skip over, Um, then that's great. So the first video you made is just called Touch and Interaction. um, And you had a really crazy stat about how many times a day we touch our phones. Can you talk about that a little bit and maybe what that means?
0: Well, first off, the goal of making this series, this was actually the second series I did. I I did a series a few months before this called um, A New Narrative. Like it it was really designed for parents. We need a new narrative of how we speak to our kids about music, movies and television uh and then social media and phones and stuff like that so like first we need to be talking to our kids about these conversations right and then right. in that i kind of thought well there needs to be more discussion on phones because i i find there's more conversation on like this on these phones than there is on many other things which is funny by the way because it's one of my least viewed youtube videos
1: this series right which I've noticed, uh, just even having sitting it in, in front of me, but the content in it is so good.
0: <laughs> it's... Like I put out one called, is masturbation a sin? It's breaking 60,000 views today. Right. right. This to me is sh- like, not that that's not an important topic, but it's like, yeah. this to me is the, what people talk. And I also wonder if people aren't watching it because they don't want to be, con- not convicted, but they mm. it's just easier to be ignorant or just say, oh, I... I'd rather just keep my relationship. Like if you're gonna go through this series, you're gonna probably have to make some changes, right? That's the kind of the idea. But the touch and interaction was an interesting one. Like uh, one of the stats says, we touch our phones 2,500 times a day. And when you're researching stats, like I try to be very conservative because I know some like you can grab every day, there's some article that comes out and often they're from Christian resources, which again, is, it's like, it's just everything like it's just this massive stat and you're like I don't think that's true right, but this yeah. was actually well documented and it was actually a, and this actually they said is, is an average it's not actually the high range which was like I think it was 4 or 5 thousand times a day
1: which is crazy. I don't even and and so I the the interesting thing that you just said going back for a second is is maybe one of the reasons that people don't watch some of this content is cuz they don't want to be convicted. So I went through and watched all 9 of these and every one of them hit me in some way that I was just like, "Oh, I do do that." <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Maybe that's a shift. We're going to get into the notifications one in a sec. And and so I think at the end of the video, you challenge people to go through. So I went through uh, and eliminated almost all of them. And, uh, and it, like it made a difference. It made a difference as to how much I think I pick up my phone because it's not trying to interact with me so much. <laughs> um, but yeah, this touch and interaction thing. Um, so 2,500 times an average in the day. What is that doing to us? What is that doing to our time? What is that doing to the way we're interacting with not only each other, but everything else in the world? Like, like, where are those, for lack of a better question, I guess, where are those touches coming from? What are we not interacting with anymore?
0: Well, I think what's interesting, this is just we're talking about touching. That, that yeah. sounds um, almost inappropriate. <laughs> um, maybe a better word for that. But you know what I mean? Like, we're just talking about actually holding and touching our phone. So we're not not talking about interaction where you actually like open it, which is 75 to 150 times a day. And as someone said, don't forget you're sleeping. So like it's not just divide by 24 and that's per the day, like you're hopefully sleeping. But the truth is they say 50% of teenagers don't turn their phone off and they interact at some point throughout the night. Right. Um, your, your question was kind of the idea of, you know, I mean, one is the time comes from the interaction. Like 75 to 150 times a day, we're opening our phone. And what are we doing? Checking quickly our social media, seeing what someone's like. The amount of time that we put in that is extraordinary. yeah And even the touching, I just think is a problem because, you know, if you, even I go to a meeting, like if I go to a meeting and like if I come in to speak and we do like a youth pastor's lunch that day or something, Every one of us has our phones out on the table and we spin it. And we, we, we like, we, we don't just put our phones. Like I now say to people phones in airplane mode. And like, I feel like a dad, but it's kind of like, let's put all our phones. And if we're going up, if you and me are going up for lunch, it's the same. I actually tell the person my phone's going off because I want to, I want you to know, listen, if I'm out for coffee with you, I'm with you and I'm yeah. not checking. Now there are times. See again, everything is in a balance. There's times as a dad that I know my wife, who's a nurse, is working, and my kids might need a ride or something. So do you know what? I may have my phone out, but it's it's that balanced conversation.
1: How um how can we curb this? So I've I thought about this and and um, how often I touch it. Whether it's even just like um, I've noticed after watching even little things like um like if I go a few minutes without without looking at my phone, I just make sure it's in my pocket.
0: Mm, me too. Like it's, yeah. Or
1: like I have this moment where it's like, oh, no, where is it? I don't have it. Where did it go? This is like learned behavior at this point. How do I curb this? <laughs> I agree. I went to
0: the gym the other day to work out, and I got to the gym, and I went because I, like most people, I don't use cards. Like I just use everything on my phone, right? Even going through a McDonald's, I just use my watch or things. But I forgot my phone at home. And it's interesting, the... Now, I mean, I do struggle with anxiety, but like this anxiety that suddenly came over me, I felt, you know, you feel like you say the term, I feel naked. You know what I mean by that? Like you suddenly feel like I'm, I'm not whole in this moment. I'm missing. Yeah. And then I go through, what if someone needs me? And I'm like, I sound like, like, I just, I sound crazy. Like I'm at the gym. It used to be, you go to the gym and you'd have an hour like, and there was a pay phone down at the edge of, you know, of the gym, but like, now it's like if if you send me a message I feel like see this is the problem with us even as as adults is we say to students we don't need to reply to that Snapchat right away but if you send me a text I feel like I have to reply to it immediately Yeah and so it's some of this uh, it, to me it's affecting all aspects of life and that's why from the two the first video on touch and then the notifications everything else is really well, how do we actually practically do that with other aspects of mm-hmm. our life? I find it funny. I'm giving yeah. hand gestures to you right now for an audio no, podcast. Good. So <laughs> no, that's
1: good. And I mean, and so in the video two notifications, you talk about um, dopamine and how we sort of get like this shot almost of, you know, happiness or or satisfaction every time we, we touch it. Can you explain that a little bit? I'm sure you've done a little bit of reading and research on that. What's the effect that we're having? Uh, is it almost like a like a drug like effect? Like, what is what's happening to us when we get a notification or or a ding um, mentally to us? There,
0: there's a really good uh, CBC has a TV show called Marketplace. Yeah, and so they did one of I think it's last year or the year before called I think it's called Addicted to Our Phones. If you go through the list, I think it's actually on my blog, but they walked through. You know, they put an app on, which is great now because we all have this. If you have an iPhone, I know it's built right into iPhones. You can see how much screen time you have and stuff per day. But they talked about dopamine. And it was actually a a lab called Dopamine Labs, which was creating games. And they were talking about how their goal is to keep you looking and watching. And so even some of the, like, uh, I forget how they, they used it. Like, when you get a notification, they're not all given at the same time. They're actually scattered a little bit because that's how your brain likes them. But dopamine is simply this. Dopamine is the pleasure drug. So if you get a kiss, get a hug, you know, these things, but it's also every time you get a ding, every time your phone's in your pocket and it buzzes, there's a dopamine hit to the brain. Now, I don't think we know what a million dopamine hits does to a person because it didn't used to be a million hits, right? It used to be, you know, these, these smaller things. So when you look at, and this is where in the earlier series, when I do a new narrative talking to teens, We can say things like, get off your phone, Snapchat is stupid. These are all things teens said their parents say. That's just telling. It doesn't mean anything. But when I start talking about dopamine or I talk about an increase in anxiety and depression, I can have a thousand students in the room and you can hear a pin drop. Everyone, like that is a rational conversation. You are teaching and we're talking about that. And that's something that kids will listen to. And so the idea of, well, how do we you know, decrease some of those notifications is just kind of the simple next step, which is why I just said, yeah, let's just get like, I, like everyone else, we download apps and then they just sit on our phones or even like, I'm going through my email right now. And like the other day I got up and there's 35 messages and I'm like, why do I care about an app that I was using six years? Like, so it's like unsubscribe, unsubscribe. Like I'm actually physically making less things come in and even uh, like I turn off notifications on my computer because I don't want to be working and have notifications coming in. Yeah. But I found even for me, like I, I forget how many apps I, de- I deleted, 75 to 100. And from that, I'm now getting rid of their notifications. Yeah. And other things like Twitter. I mean, one day it said like someone who I don't know who I must follow tweeted about someone else who I don't know. And I'm like, why is... Why is that coming on my phone? Like, why? <laughs> why do I care? <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, and and I think one of the um, wild things, and you sort of just touched on it, is like there's almost this fear. So you challenge to delete some apps and to to take off notifications, and so I actually took that a step further too, and and went on to some of the things that that I was getting emails about that were ridiculous and started unsubscribing. Um, and even they were things. Even though they were things that I knew I wasn't going to miss, like in the back of my head, it was very difficult to get rid of them. It's like, what if there's a notification at some point yeah. that like affects me and now I'm not going to see it, even though it's an email that I've received for the last three years and deleted immediately almost as an annoyance. You know, my my email went off. I'm like, oh, I got something, and now I get less of those. Is this gonna be? Is this gonna be hard for me? Is it gonna be worse? Well, these are things that actually went through my mind.
0: Especially as youth workers too, because we often we almost collect, like we collect information, and so it's like yeah. I subscribe to probably fifty, like they're almost just news feeds that collect you. Like now, some of them I'm not deleting, like Walt Mueller's CPYU, you know access and their three culture trends. Like there's things that I get every day. Now I may not read them or every week when they come in, but there's other things and we're not like, there's other things I want coming in. And with apps, I'm not saying delete all apps. Like I still have Facebook. I still have Instagram and LinkedIn and Twitter, but I, I, we're talking more about if if you're not using it, let's get rid of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. It's, and it's like, it's more of a balance. It's not the, it's the thing you touched on earlier. It's not, this is the, the root cause of everything, but certainly out of control, it can be something that's harmful so quickly. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. I'm going to skip a couple of videos. Uh, You did one on family dinners and on movies. um, But the one that you did on work and school, I thought was really interesting. You talk a lot about how we're not necessarily intentional with our time. Um, And so when we only give things partial attention, we only get Partial results, right? Yeah. Um, how is this hindering us, maybe not only in work and school, but in church and faith formation as well?
0: Well, I kind of, this is one that I kind of learned. Well, like, I've been writing a book for the past two and a half years. I actually wrote a book called Navigating Everything. It's actually okay. more of a handbook. It just went to editor actually yesterday, but it's 240,000 words. It is, but see this from my perspective i often have one i call it a touch point with a parent like i come into your or another church and if i have a parent the odds that they're going to see me within the next few years is very low so i'm like how do we make foundational change and i'm like so my many many people said we'll make it six books i'm like but people aren't going to buy six books so if i have one book with all the different conversations inside it how can we actually make change I went off on a tangent. What was the question? Oh, uh, being distracted, yeah. huh? Which is what yeah. I'm doing right now. <laughs> but um, as I was writing, I found I would sh- like, uh, so I, I used an app called Scrivener for writing. And so it puts all my chapters together and I'm writing stuff. But as I start writing and a thought process goes, suddenly, and I'm on a Mac, ding, and it dings. And on the corner, it actually says, like, you, and it's like, it's like Wag Jag has new deals on stakes. And it's like, but I still, stopped my thought train, looked at what it was. And often it be, Oh yeah, someone's emailing me and I click on it and I do an email and I check a few emails and I've just lost 10 minutes. And so yeah. I realized for me that it, and it's, it was the same when I was a teacher, I saw this with students. It's like, if you're going to do something, do it. Like whether it's work or whether it's school, do what it is. Like when I, uh, write or when I am, doing something, I'm going to do it with full attention. So I turn off notifications and I, and I'm going to go back and check that stuff later, but for what I'm doing, focus time for, for me, I spend like, if I'm writing, I like about an hour and a half and then I need a break and my break might be go back to email, check, you know, did someone, is there notifications or mentions about something I need to address? But, but your second question was, is it affecting the church? Is that kind of,
1: yeah. How do you think this is hitting the church as well?
0: Well, we need to acknowledge there's a bit of a diff. like there's a difference. So if, if we're talking about someone at home, like doing work or studying, a student studying, having music on, I actually don't mind that. I, I think we probably need more mellow music for studying. But when we're talking yeah. about church and like a church service, uh, the question to me is, is the phone being used for something that coincides with what's going on? Or is someone right. just surfing you know if someone's just if someone's just on Instagram scrolling I'm using my finger scrolling again on a podcast but you know like if someone's scrolling through Instagram yeah is that a distraction but what's fascinating to me is the number of times I've seen teens at my talks who are just on their phone the whole time and afterwards they walk up and they ask me questions that are really good about the talk I just did and I'm like you did take something in with that Like I think sometimes as an adult, I I have expectations of just people staring at me,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: but I I, I still do think that there is this partial attention for learning. But I also think like when I did my master's uh, classes, we would all have like a laptop where we're taking notes, but I actually had a side iPad where... Or I would just switch screens. Like and if, if, if the teacher said a comment or a website or you got to check out this, I actually was checking it out right away. I do think we're able to do two things at once. Right. Like, I don't think the idea is. And also some sermons, like even like for a master's degree, there's t- the content is extraordinary. Often in a Sunday morning service, it might not be like it's a greater theme or something you're learning. And for me to quickly check, you know, the missions organization or the verse and a translation I want to look at. But again, there needs to be a a balance in that conversation.
1: So you mentioned a couple studies that show, you know, cell phone usage that uh, decreases productivity and learning in the video. How do we sort of take that power back um, and use these tools as a sort of a positive part of what we're doing? How do we make it so they're not a distraction, but we actually, um, we tap into the efficiency that in theory they should be adding?
0: Well, I think we need to, um, We need to look at how we're doing. Like, so let's take a Sunday morning service or for us as youth workers, like a, a, a talk time we're doing at youth or junior youth or something. I think we need to look at how, like the goal is learning. The goal is not listening. Mm, Like I don't really care if someone just stares at me for an hour. In your mind, you're wandering. People used to fall asleep. like, But now a phone, like when I was a teacher, I would put music on so that when the kids, the back of their head was kind of thinking of the music and the front was thinking of me. I do wonder with some kids if they're scrolling through Instagram, but they're actually listening to everything I'm saying and they're blindly just mm-hmm. doing something. So I kind of say with my talks at the beginning of everyone, I want you to be a good learner, not a listener. And I explain what I mean mm-hmm. by that. Like if we're just listening to a sermon for 45 minutes and at the end we're done and we go home and there's nothing we take away, nothing we change in our, our daily faith practices in in our marriages and as a student you know how we interact with friends and, and sex and porn and all these things well we haven't learned anything anyways so the idea of just blaming a phone or something for that part of that comes back to us as teachers right as pastors mm-hmm. how do we engage so I think we need to just teach people how to do it better like in a teaching class in school everyone has a laptop out that's just the right. norm like when you're in university and so I actually wonder if we I put I did one paper once saying we need to have like laptop plugs beside every, you know, if we a $1,000 for a series for church, people would actually want to learn. But right. I, But I think we don't come to church to learn, which is where we have to actually change the culture we have, where it's not just a social event, even though fellowship is good, that there's a purpose, like there's going to be musical worship and there's going to be worship in other ways through offering and other things, but there's going to be teaching and teaching is to change us and to make us you know, to help us in our walk with Christ and how to make us better in that. So phones can help. So I tell people, you can take photos of all my slides. And I right. actually am very intentional. I have massive slide decks for what I do. But the reason is that's the only, like, I can do an hour and a half with a teen group and I don't lose anybody, but I also have 125 slides behind me. So,
1: right.
0: but the, the and, and I actually, when I'm using my clicker, I don't click always when I finish a slide to the next slide, right? Because I'm trying to keep attention. Sometimes I do it early, sometimes I do it late. But again, it's keeping attention. And then there's got to be, you know, people can take photos of what they want. But even then, it's like, I I want people at the end to find a way to, like, I always use the, I think almost every talk I do, I end with the John Maxwell quote, uh, you know, you have three days to take one thing from this talk and do something about it. Mm-hmm. I know some churches, you'll hear some pastors kind of say like, now what? And it's like, well, what do we do with what I just said? Right? It might be a yeah. bit theological in nature, but how do we bring this down to that when you walk out this door right now, when we say amen and the band finishes their song, what do we do with this? Yeah. And so I think there are ways that we can use technology. And that's where things like podcasts come in. You know, like mm-hmm. I think every church should have their uh, like um, their sermon on whether it's YouTube or other or other things, both an audio and a video. If 40 percent mm-hmm. of your church, like stats say between 40 and 50 percent of our churches are in church every week. Right. So, well, if you do a five part series and someone's there for one and four. And again, so like that mm-hmm. way people can learn. And then I think you can use technology as well. Right. Like. This is where we can, uh, there's a great parents, uh, Facebook page from a church in Markham I was on recently, it's just filled with like, you know, an article, maybe talking about dopamine, boom, there it is. Right. And as a parent, if you only read one out of 10, you're still reading an article at yeah. some point. So it's just, yeah. it's finding a way to use technology for it's the good things while we at the same time are looking at getting rid of, like, I do think in church, I don't want notifications for a lot of things. But I do use, like I use a digital Bible. Actually, I'm a bit weird. I like a digital Bible and a physical Bible back to back. Okay. So I use. What do you mean? Well, I, like when I read, I use an app called Read Scripture. Have you Have you seen that app? I haven't. Bar none. My favorite. I used to, so like you versions, kind of the, the normal. I used one called Glow for quite a while, which I really loved. Because okay. if you click on a verse, it gives you a commentary on the bottom. So I actually quite often, the pastor's preaching, you know, Luke 3 verse whatever, and I'd click it, and it's giving me an explanation on the bottom. And I actually really like that, some context to what we're talking about. But then recently, I moved to this app called Read Scripture by The Bible Project. Okay. You know those cartoon drawings that people do? So before Mm -hmm. every book of the Bible, and inside, sometimes there's two or three for a whole, like I'm, I'm reading through Kings right now. So there's actually first, because actually they, they talk about, there's no two first and second Kings. It was the book of Kings that we split up into two. So there's this overarching narrative of the entire book of Kings. Well, how great is that, that you could be on a cell phone, you could be on a bus, you could be in school on a, on a, on a spare, like, or for me at home right now, and I can A, get this overarching narrative of the book, and then I start reading. And not only does it give me the readings, but see, I then switch over to my physical Bible so I can take notes. Yeah. And I also like reading the Bible through different perspectives. So I'm using one right now called um, uh, Beyond Suffering Bible. It's the Joni Erickson okay. one, but it's viewing scripture through a lens of, you know, suffering, which for me, I actually really appreciate. And I just did John Maxwell's Leadership Bible and I did an Apologetics Bible. So every time I go through it, it gives me, I just want to look at it through a different lens. Yeah. So there might be some notes. And then so I'm, I'm going back and forth, but the app actually then has the reading, a psalm or a proverb and you click a little check mark and it takes you to your next day. Mm-hmm. So
1: there's some good things this, that's really good. This is the great part about this stuff is that you can go, I know, and you sort of alluded to it too, not only to it happening to you, but also you doing it. I know there's been moments where I have been fact-checked in real time. <laughs> <laughs> like I've said something and a youth or an adult or at a, 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 at a talk I'm giving somewhere have looked at me and gone, I don't know about that. And you can tell they're Googling it. And I think that's great. I think that's healthy and it, and it helps to sort of solidify as long as what you're saying is actually true. It really, really helps. Um, and, and going right back to something that you said a minute ago, uh, cause there was a lot of awesome stuff in there. Um, this idea that like, um, how do we make it applicable? How do we bring it down to that ground level? Mm-hmm. That idea that there's so much content, There's so much information and we need to be able to somehow make sense of that. And so even, uh, you know, a couple of apps that you're talking about there that that take the information and go, here's how to apply it right now in your context um, is great. But we're still I feel like we're still in the early stages of of even navigating what that looks like. Like iPhone launched in 07 right? So, I mean, really, and everybody didn't really have one in their pocket until a couple of years later. We're only 10 years into this communication shift. I, I I, feel like I say to people, and maybe you can back this up a little bit, like, it's okay that you don't know how all this is working yet. We're all sort of still figuring it out together. Like, we don't know what the end result of this is, but we need to start thinking about that.
0: I'm just beginning my th- like I just finished my book, so I don't want to suddenly hop into the next thing. But no, I'm uh, I don't sleep well, so I'm in bed. I think it was even last night, and I'm thinking through this navigating everything talk for students. And what I really want to have right. in it is an app where kids, mm. while I'm talking, like you've been to like I love that youth things now where people can text in content, like text in questions yeah. and stuff. I like that. Yeah. But what I want to do, like if we're talking, let's say I'm doing a talk on media. And I, my talk for media is media, faith, culture like looking at balanced media conversations, looking at how your worldview affects everything. But if I'm talking about prayer, I'd love if you could put a quick poll up that says, you know, how many of you are struggling in your prayer life? And within 10 right. seconds you can have like, can you picture like, we're just talking about faith. How many of you feel dead in the water in your faith? And your church congregation yeah. says 85%. Like, all right, let's just, let's stop everything. Like yeah, th- we need, I think too often we just, um, We just keep doing what we've always done. And I'm not saying we change, we're not changing theology, but we kind of mentioned, we talked about this for a few seconds before, but some of the ecclesiology, how we take Christ to people and how we, like if we're not engaging people, what are we doing? Like if we as youth pastors all do sermons, like if I come in and speak 125 talks a year and every time I leave, it does nothing. What a waste of my time. Like there needs to be change, but we don't, like if you're in school, I could, like when I was a teacher, I knew if my kids understood the science because I would test and I would do things. And it's almost like, I think polls could help you that if you could poll people, especially like live polling is not that hard to do.
1: No. Yeah.
0: And so it would let me kind of see what, like, or even just as a youth worker, like what, who needs help. We do this a little bit on our, like we have a charity site and it's, it's really just a shell of the charity, but it does have polling for pornography where we can okay. actually poll, like you could poll your own church on their pornography use, and the stats are staggering. Like you're talking yeah. seven out of 10 Christians on this poll said so they they either dabble, struggle, or are addicted with pornography. Yeah. And those are things like, I'm speaking uh, a couple Sundays from now on a Sunday morning on pornography, which is now four or five times a year. People usually kind of laugh and go, oh, it's on a Sunday? I'm like, yeah. Like if you want to, uh, one of my, um, professors at Wheaton said the church is answering questions that no one's even asking Mm. I've never like that one in every sermon I ever hear I'm just kind of like now the truth is I I don't fully agree with that because sometimes we as pastors and we as leaders are going to have to address things that people might not want to right like Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with walking through a book of the Bible like in Ecclesiastes or even Romans that like but that still needs to come back to regular life but yeah. I just think sometimes we need to look at what we're addressing. Is it getting through and then some kind of questioning of, you know, how we then do change and almost like repolling afterwards.
1: Yeah, I think that one of the things you touched on there is interesting that um, some of this technology that allows anonymity almost allows us maybe to be more honest. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that maybe should or shouldn't be the case, but seven out of 10 people aren't walking into a pastoral office saying I'm struggling with pornography. But in an anonymous poll where you can just put it up there and nobody knows who voted for what, um, it can really give you a sense of what people are actually looking for and what people are struggling with and, and where to go next. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, we've been chatting now for a while. There's stuff that we didn't get to, and that's okay. Maybe we can chat again sometime. Um, is there anything else that you sort of really have on your heart or something that's bugging you that you just want to say to, you know, a church leader or a parent that's if you're going to start somewhere, here's where you start, or I know that this is where you're struggling, but it's okay because, and, and maybe if you want to point to a couple of your own resources for that, that would be great.
0: I think I would say, and and this is the Home Depot slogan, but like, I say to parents or even students, you can do it, we can help. (laughs) (laughs) Like, there is no conversation that we shouldn't be able to have under the light of the gospel, looking at it from a practical, like, biblically practical, like, there's nothing. Like, I I go and speak my porn talk on a Sunday morning and you can see, like, it's palpable, the stress in the audience, and it's like, relax. Like, I'm not showing you game of thrones videos like it's just like we all know the world's pornified how do we get better at this and 10 minutes and you watch people relax it's the same with sex we're so i mean there's so much in the conversation of sex beyond just the lgbtq conversation which is part Mm -hmm. of that but there's so much else that we still need to address and we can do that we can help we can help kids walk through it and mental health like have so many people who are struggling it's not just our our kids issues like when I walk through my journey with mental health it's incredible the number especially men who've never told their spouse or a friend how much they struggle with this so I just think we need to realize that we can address all of these issues and if we if we as a parent or a kid don't know what to do we have we have youth workers and leaders and other resources and then Uh, that's kind of what I do for a living is, is I come in sometimes and just spark a conversation and begin that going Mm. in a church. And I often do like a Saturday night parents talk and a Sunday morning, you know, mental health talk, like in my parenting talk. And the truth is, this is really for everything. I want to decrease the overwhelmingness. And I don't know if that's a Mm. word. I think it is. I'm going to use it, but we're overwhelmed with content, with information. So uh, there's a few ways I do this. Like one is with my YouTube channel. And I don't think Christians use YouTube. Like it's one of the biggest websites on the planet. And like I do almost all my research on YouTube. Like if I'm researching parenting and I'm signed in, it just, the the wall just starts filling with parenting conversations, right? Because social media and even media becomes an image of what you do. You know, I bought flights for the Canadian Youth Workers Conference yesterday. And within an hour, all my social media feeds were all WestJet. Yeah. Like, But the truth is, if I'm researching... Like, it's actually an interesting thing to see. What what ads are you getting? Because the question yeah. is, what are you looking at to get those ads? Yeah. But uh, I try to post weekly YouTube videos. Now, I did it for a year and a half. Um, July and August uh, was, were kind of hard as I started some meds for Lyme. But I'm starting again next week. But I have 68, I think, videos online. And again, I would challenge people, don't look at the views. Like Some of them have 150 views, but they're some of the best stuff I've ever done you don't need yeah. to find one that has 60,000 views now some of those things are interesting cuz you realize is masturbation a sin is one of the biggest questions that someone's asking right? right because people are looking for that but the youtube channel's one and i would encourage you like it's funny someone a parent said to me recently but i'd have to get a gmail account and i said what well, you don't have one like you know, the Google universe is whether you're Mac or like, that's part of life for everyone. <laughs> and I'm like, it's free. Like, just get a Gmail. Like, like, it's funny the <laughs> excuses we give for why we wouldn't get. Anyways, but sign in and use it. And then the second yeah. one is, is on my website. And our, our website just went live a few weeks ago, the new com. Yeah. And the real goal of this site isn't showcasing my speaking. It's showcasing the resourcing. And mm-hmm. so unlike before where it was like a singular blog that you would see, there are like featured blogs and recent blogs. And there's three different categories presently. It's media, parenting and mental health which show 4 or 5 each. But there's 700 online blogs. Now the truth is this, I'm I am a blogger, but I often don't blog my own content. I mm. actually usually say I'm a curator. Like I I glean off of all youth ministry and, you know, magazines and other things I read and say, oh, here's a like, you know, there's one I'm going to put out in the next few days, which is just, it said 20% of millennials have no friends. Like that's kind of one of those things you read and go for a young adults, pastor, like you look at how yeah. ministry has to change to talk about friendships and what friendships are and how we can grow them. So there's tons of good content online and it's all categorized by, you know, by not only the topical different things, I have one on loneliness and I have a few other ones like great books and there's lots of resources I pump out from a book suggestion as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've used it in stuff that I've been doing. Um, it's been really helpful to me. I really appreciate you putting it together um, and uh, and the way that you have, because I, I've saw it in the old form and now in the new form, the way that you've reorganized it, you're right, really makes it so easy to just be, I need to find something on this bam, bam. And now it's done and I'm right there. So, and I still um, have
0: like, if anyone's interested in bringing me in to speak, there's still booking Brett and you can find all that content there. But, uh, I really wanted to show like the goal for me is really the older I get, I just really want to help equip and empower parents. And the same goes with teens, right? There's just, there's so many questions being asked and often so few answers. So how can we come alongside people Mm -hmm. and equip them and help them and kind of go from there?
1: So uh, bretallman.com, I'm assuming you just search search, uh, Brett Allman on YouTube and you'll come up. Um, How do we find you on social medias? Can people contact you through email? What's the best way to get a hold of you to book you or ask you a question? If
0: you want to find all my social media, if you go to the bretallman.com on the top left and on the very, very bottom right, but the top left is where you can find it is everything. So that links to all my, my LinkedIn's and my Instagram and the truth is. If anyone listening uh, can help me, I'm trying to get to 10,000 followers on Instagram because I want the swipe up feature.
1: Right. Like, because I'm a YouTuber,
0: (laughs) I want people to be able to swipe up to go straight to my YouTube. Yeah. It's funny. I was in a room of like 500 youth recently. And I said, if each of you would, on all 10 of your Instagram accounts, just like me. And they all (laughs) were laughing. (laughs) I gained hundred followers, um, though, so I'll take it. But.
1: Oh my gosh, that's so great! How close are you? Do you know? Oh, I'm only about twenty five hundred. Oh, okay. So we need to, to. We'll we'll get it moving. So we'll we'll get that moving for and you. And that's and fine. the biggest
0: one, the YouTube one's the top right of all those those. And here's what I say to people: like, like all of those things. Like, if yeah. I am following a uh, like, take a Tim Elmore. Like, I really enjoy Tim. So I go mm-hmm. to his website, and there's all his social media. It's like I like him on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube because you don't see everything. Like the odds that I'm going to be on Twitter today, like, and I have like 3000 followers, the odds I'm going to see the moment you post a message is very rare. So I follow everyone on everything because everyone posts everything on everything.
1: Yes. And then it,
0: it, it means there's content. Like I want my social media to be bringing me not like, here's someone's dog, but I want it to be, yeah. Here's a great study or here's a really good thing. Like it's actually where I, I learn is on social media. Yeah. But people can awesome. find and then contact is either through that. Uh, they can find me through email and stuff, but it's easier. All the contact stuff comes to me uh, from my okay. website and other places.
1: Well, I mean, we covered a lot. We dug into stuff that I'm sure we could have dug way, way into. But I appreciate you sort of giving an overview on some of this and uh, I hope people will go and check out the rest of it. And I'm really appreciative of you um, spending a bunch of time with me today. So thanks so much for doing that. Welcome. Had a good time. Hope we can do it again. Well, what an awesome first episode of the podcast. I'm so thankful for Brett and his wisdom and willingness to come on and share some of the things that he's been working on it. And I hope there's a couple of gems in there for you as well. Things that'll help you lead at home and in your ministry. And you know what? Check Brett out. Go find one of his books Uh, book him for your church or your organization, check out his website, watch a few of those YouTube videos. There's all kinds of amazing content in there that Brett provides. I know that it's helped me lead better in areas and I'm sure that it will do the same for you as well. And with that, I guess that wraps up episode one. And and you know what, if you loved how this episode sounded, uh, then you should get a hold of our friend Jer Chambers. Jer is an expert in sound engineering, In live performance audio and his post production of this episode is the reason that you could hear us despite echoey rooms and Apple headphones. Uh, Jer has experience both inside and outside the church in live performances and installation, mixing and audio editing. So if you're interested in finding out more, you can contact him at jercchambers at gmail.com. Look in the details of this episode for all of his contact information, including his super fun Instagram account at Lego Legosoundman. Give that one a follow as well. Hey, thanks so much for coming on board today and hanging out with me. And I promise that every time I release an episode, I will try my best to have a conversation that every church leader needs to hear. We'll talk to you soon.